0: Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. So good to have you with us. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a little bit of feedback on iTunes. It's very helpful. Or indeed, dive in on Facebook or on Flying Solo or anywhere and just let us know what you think. It would be terrific. Now, today, I have a terrific guest. I'm really looking forward to talking to her. Her name is Brooke McCallery. Um, I've known of her for a while. She's a good friend of our editor, Kelly Exeter. And uh, Brooke joins me from the Blue Mountains on an unusually warm sort of winter's day. Hello, Brooke. Hello, Look, it's good to have you here and uh, it, it is gorgeous today. I'm not sure why it is. Mind you, by the time this gets broadcast, it'll probably be freezing cold again, so <laughs> I better keep moving. So look, I thought what, where we might start, you I know are doing some uh, really interesting things in the whole world of podcasting, but I thought to, uh, just to kind of kick us off, if you could just share with uh, our community just kind of your journey, how you've got to where you've got, uh, you know, where have you come from and what are you kind of doing today? And then we'll, we'll dive in a bit further.
0: Sure. I um I guess working in the online space, it started for me about six years ago. I started blogging uh, at slowyourhome.com mm-hmm. and I stuck around there and, and still there, um, you know, through about five years of just focusing on my writing. I wrote a book. Of course, I, I focus on um, slow living and simplifying and decluttering and mindfulness and all the things that kind of go in under that umbrella, mm. uh, but about... Two years ago, I fell really hard in love with podcasts okay. uh, just as a listener. You know, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and also business podcasts. They're probably the two that I, I focus on the most and just was astounded by how connected I felt to the hosts. I really mm. felt like sitting, you know, spending time with someone's voice in your ear really strikes a completely different connection to sitting down and reading someone's words. And, uh, you know, I just enjoyed them and and I could really see that there was potential there for podcasts, uh, you know, in the future, not even thinking about them for myself. But about six months in, I, I sort of said to my husband, you know, I'm I'm thinking of starting a podcast. He's like, great. So the only problem is I can't listen to myself. <laughs> I can't edit myself. You know, that would just be torture. All right. So he offered to come in and do the production of the show for me and, uh, and then, you know, he, he decided that he wanted to be a bit more a part of the show, so he's now my co-host. And we launched um, the Slow Home podcast about 18 months ago.
1: Mm. Okay, uh, well, let, let's just go, let's step back a little bit. So, mm. the Slow Your Home initially was a blog. So, what? just to go one step prior to that, what were you doing sort of before that? What led you to the blogging into that kind of theme?
0: So, I ran my own jewelry label for a few years uh, called Trove Designs and started out just as a hobby. And then I started selling online. I started an Etsy store. And this is sort of, gosh, 12 years ago, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it it slowly became a little bit more than a hobby. And I started to, to make a little money from it and started doing, you know, handcraft markets and things like that. And when my our first child was born. Um, the day I got home from hospital, I got an email asking if I wanted to be part of Australian Fashion Week that year, hmm. and that was not the greatest timing. But uh, I said yes, right. and that <laughs> because as I'm, you do, I'm an idiot, right. <laughs> and, um, and that sort of started me down this path of living an incredibly hectic, stressful life for about two years. I found myself trying to juggle. Um, you know, being a being a new parent. Mm. And um, we then had another baby uh, quite close after our, our daughter was born and we were renovating and, you know, running the house and running a business and supporting my husband who worked long hours. So uh, I, I knew, the, I think the reason that I, I continued to push through that was because I always wanted to be self-employed. You know, I wasn't a particularly Good employee i don't think I always knew that I wanted to be you know to run my own show, so that's I think one of the main reasons why I stuck with it for so long
1: but okay so so by the sounds of it then the this kind of slow your home, the appeal of that came from the the point that you got to where you were anything but slow you were exactly frantic so I was
0: completely frantic oh, I actually okay. um was diagnosed with postnatal depression after our mm. second child was born. It was quite severe. And from there, it became really apparent to me that I needed to change the way I was living significantly. And that's where I started investigating slow living and simplifying. And I realised that I, I... I learn really well when I write about things, so I started a blog, and that's really where the, the okay. Home blog came
1: from. Fantastic! So, well, I mean, it's fantastic it doesn't sound right, to say fantastic. After you went through such a such a grueling sort of period to get there, but I mean, what's come, where you've come out the other side certainly sounds fantastic. But um, I have to ask, you know, if if you're a jewelry designer getting invited to Australian Fashion Week, you know, that's that's doing pretty well in that space. And then to suddenly change and blog,
0: what about the money?
1: <laughs> Where's that coming from?
0: Uh, I mean, I was really fortunate that uh, I didn't need to be earning a significant amount of money. Okay. Um, so my husband and I, we spoke about it when uh, our second child was born and I, I decided to take a step back from the business. And we we sort of did the, the numbers and we saw that I could take that step back. And it became really clear um, within about a month that taking that step back was going to be a permanent change because my mental health just, you know, benefited so greatly from from, um, you know, simplifying that part of life out.
1: okay. So you totally redesigned how you were living and working. Yeah. And it's kind of as a, a, you know, daily celebration of that, that you're now in the sort of space that you're in. So just as an observation, when you did that, and that's quite a big step. Mm. It was a hugely big step (laughs) to, you know, to say, no, you know what, I'm not going to work like that. I'm going to work like this. And clearly, you have the support of your partner, which is, you know, wonderful. Um, Do you find now then that people are coming to you, whether it be through your blogging or through your podcasting, that are drawn to you purely because of the fact that you've taken that step?
0: I think it just lends a certain level of insight to be able to sort of share with people. I know exactly how hard it is, Um, you know, and it's, it's certainly ironically a complicated sort of issue to start to extricate yourself Mm. and simplify and i've been through that and of course my circumstances look different to everyone else's because we're all you know we've all got unique stories but um i do think that people feel a level of comfort because it's quite a vulnerable thing to admit to someone i'm really struggling i'm really overwhelmed Mm. i Mm. i I don't feel like i'm coping you know we're, we're really discouraged from admitting those things and uh you know coincidentally that's part of the reason why i've been so open about it Mm. um because i think it's important that we we talk about that feeling of just keeping our heads just above water you know um yeah and i I do think that, that that people do find their way to me because i'm someone who's who's potentially been where they are
1: yeah, sure, and and clearly, as you say, there's nothing more kind of um, attractive or magnetic than to be on the receiving sort of eyes or ears of of somebody who's who's absolutely speaking from the heart, which mm-hmm. you clearly are because you've you know you've you've walked that path. So, do you do you have any kind of um, fear though that being that person that did work at that sort of level and we're gonna move on to in a moment to what you're kind of building now. Is there any little voice in your head that's going, whoops, you know, be careful, Brooke. You know, we might get there again. Or do you feel that you've absolutely shifted from where you were to a to a new you? How does how does that sort of how do you it's respond a, to that? That's a
0: really good question actually. And people do often ask, you know, how how are you maintaining a slow life when mm. you've got all these things going on? And I think it's more about the way I view um, I view life now too. But I think one of the main reasons that it just never worked with the jewellery label was because I was never particularly passionate about it. Yeah, you know, okay. I never even it – it genuinely began as a hobby. And as someone who's always wanted to run her own business, it was an opportunity that presented itself, uh, you know, because of circumstances and the fact that I just happened to tap into something that people quite liked at the time. Uh so, I, I, I made poor decisions because there was no heart in it, I think. Yep. Whereas now, I'm, I mean, I, I made barely like $2, I think, over right. the first three or four years of my blog. And I kept at it because I passionately believe in what I'm talking about and what I'm mm. helping people with. And I think that plus the fact that I'm now much better at knowing what to say yes to and more importantly, what to say no to, that. I don't often find myself in that place of, you know, overwhelm. There's yeah, okay. days, there are days, but there aren't months. You know? Yeah.
1: Okay. So presumably, what you've come to recognize as well are, are the triggers. You know, the 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 the, the kind of the warm up lap, and you can make. So you you said a, a couple of a couple of moments ago there that you now have a very kind of different view. Um, a different view of, of how you operate compared to how you were. So mm. anything further to add to that? I mean, what, what is this different view? How do, you, how do you now view the kind of the world of work?
0: I know what's important to me um, in, in life. Like I've, I've done a lot of work to figure out my personal priorities. And I think with the jewellery label, for example, all I wanted was to appear successful. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, that was what was important to me. And at that point in time, appearing successful had more to do with money and the stuff that we acquired and the way that we presented our lives. Uh, And now I understand that none of those things are actually really important to me. Mm. And I think part of that was a shift that came about when we had our kids. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think that really clarified what was important to us. Um, and the, I think the other part is is just understanding what brings me true contentment and happiness as well, and really focusing on those things, and not allowing myself to slip into, you know, into that place where I worry about external validation so much.
1: That's that's so beautifully put. I think that notion of, you know, just being really clear on 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 where your where your passion lies and mm. what brings you contentment, as you said, um, and letting go of that um, of that need to appear successful i mean f- fantastic look thank you so much for sharing all of that and <laughs> getting us to you know kind of where we are now which is that you've you're you're still running your blog is that right and your po- yeah okay yeah and so but you've you've done a, a bit more than than just than just uh, than just running a podcast you're actually building your own sort of podcast channel called jackrabbit so could you give us a little bit of a, uh, an inkling as to what that is and why you've decided to go through kind of that
0: path? Yeah, I think it it ties back to, first of all, my absolute love of podcasting and my absolute belief in the way it can impact people's lives. Uh, you know, I, I really just wanted more of that. Um, and I also just know so many extraordinary people, particularly from my work in the online space and, you know, the health and mindfulness and wellness kind of spaces. Mm. Uh, And I know that so many of those people have amazing things to share and they're doing that sometimes through their, their authors or their bloggers, but I wanted to open up the opportunity of them podcasting as well. So I spoke to a few friends and asked if they'd be interested and everyone jumped at the chance. At, at, so you know, you're
1: asking them not to be a guest on your podcast but to to establish their own podcast.
0: That's right, yeah. It sort of the, the idea came to me about eight or nine months into my own podcast. So I started the Slow Home podcast about a year before we launched the network and I it gave me a really good opportunity to see that, yes, this works, yes, people are engaged, yes, people... Uh, they connect with you and the information that you share in a completely different way mm. when they're listening to you rather than when they're reading. And it's something that I was just super passionate about. So I asked these people, Kelly Exeter being one of them, yep. um, whether she'd be keen to start her own show. And um, she said yes, obviously, and, and we actually co-host a show together and she does another one called Straight and Curly with um, Carly Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And over the last, I mean so we launched in January with four shows and we're slowly adding more shows as we go we've now got seven our eighth one is going to launch in about uh, three or four weeks Hmm. and um yeah it's you know at the moment it's it's an Australian uh network but we really view it as as a kind of a global thing because there's no no borders with podcasts okay uh, so can you
1: perhaps just explain to me then so a, a network is so that that's like a collection of podcasts by the sounds of it all running under a fairly similar sort of theme would that be right they all they're kind of links as you say mindfulness s- the slow movement health is it, would that be right are they all generally under that sort of theme
0: initially they were but we do have a couple of shows that don't really fit under that umbrella and oh, okay. we're, we've been doing um quite a bit of, of sort of strategy work and, and research into expanding into more like a broader base of shows so we've got one show that's uh, like a 90s nostalgia podcast, which has got right. nothing to do with mindfulness <laughs> no, or doesn't anything. doesn't sound like it. No. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was initially where, that was really just where my network kind of was. But, uh, but, you know, we're slowly expanding now and we're looking at launching some comedy shows and things like that. Too. Wow.
1: So what's, I, I'm just intrigued as to the model that you're following then. So why a network? What's the benefit to you or to members of your network to be part of your network?
0: Uh, for, the, for the members, they're really tapping into our distribution channel. So I'm mm-hmm. lucky enough to have a really good working relationship with the editor of iTunes. And um, oh. she happened to pick up on the Slow Home podcast about sort of three or four months in. And, uh, you know, as a result, we're now, you know, in touch. So whenever we launch a new show, we're able to, to let iTunes know. And that's not a guarantee of any kind of, uh, you know, focus or. No, but know, it's pretty useful. But it is useful, yeah. So that's one of the big benefits for the members of the network. Plus uh, just cross-network discoverability is a big part. You know, someone might launch a show and we mention it across all network shows over a period of a month or two and, you know, they're gaining listeners. And I'm finding a lot of people who listened to the Slow Home podcast have gone on and subscribed to all the Jackrabbit shows, which I think is... even the 90s one. Even the 90s one, yeah. (laughs)
1: Oh, that says something. Oh, that's okay. So, um, and then are you also then, because I'm I'm thinking of people listening to this who might be thinking, you know, is a podcast right for me? Should I be getting into podcasting? Do you, are you also offering any sort of mentoring or guidance for people who maybe like the thought of it, but just have got no idea where to start?
0: We've got a product in the works actually, which will just be like a very basic guide to getting started for people. But, uh, you know, we're open to, new show pitches as well um we get quite a few pitches every week from people looking to to launch a show mm. um yeah so i mean i think that there's a, a a bit of a gap there as well because there's so many people who are hearing about podcasts but the uh you know the the tech side of it and it's it, it, it's it's very it's i'm not going to say difficult it's not it's just no. a pro, it's a process that's all yeah um,
1: I, I just think of it so much as like the early days of uh, of getting small websites built exactly. it was it was messy and you had to get someone over here and someone over there and someone to do this um but it's just getting easier and easier and it and i'm sure with um, particularly with sort of innovative people such as yourself um you know it will continue to to get easier but it's uh, as as you and i both know it's not that hard but no. um it just seems that way because at the moment there's not a, not a very clear Sort of proposition online that says you know A B C D E kind of thing. Anyway, um, so look, I love the thought of uh, the sound of what you're doing, and and clearly it's working. You're you're you know it's working in that you're growing your network. What about that dear old money thing again? How Mm -hmm. you are you monetizing it? Do you plan to? I mean, presumably the bigger the network, the more opportunity you've got um, to appeal to advertisers or sponsors. But what's your what's the plan?
0: We sort of have a, a multi-pronged approach, I guess, uh, and p- partly what you said just now is absolutely what we're doing. We're in a real growth phase. We're mm. establishing ourselves. We're getting amazing, you know, download numbers across the, the network every month, and that's just growing month on month. So that in itself is setting us up as, you know, someone that, that potential sponsors will want to want to talk to. But I think one of the, um, the issues, I guess, for want of a better word, is that I've preach this idea of of simplicity and slowness. So I am not going to turn around on my network and start, you know, shilling stuff that I personally wouldn't wouldn't use. So that that sure. is a a complicating factor I guess in bringing on sponsors, but in saying that we've we do have a couple of new sponsors coming on over the next month. And so that's a really nice shift, you know, they're starting to approach us, because they're saying mm. that we're, you know, our shows are are reaching such a wide audience. So, you know, we're starting to open up those conversations. Um, the other two areas, really, I mean, a lot of our a lot of our hosts have products of their own as well. Sure. Okay. So we can use, you know, we can self-sponsor in, in a in a way. If someone's got a new book coming out, things like that, we can use, um, you know, an affiliate marketing um, an affiliate. Uh, relationship there yep. to start to sponsor you know each of our own shows and then the other side of it is that we're working with um, larger organizations to, to create branded content for them oh, okay uh, well. sort of
1: in-house podcast
0: exactly mm. yeah. yeah that's so we,
1: interesting that does i've heard a few people moving into that spot and it sounds like uh you know it, it just sounds like a, a very good opportunity because there's so many kind of execs or experts um within tall buildings that um, really just don't quite know how to get their message out there, and <laughs> and podcasts can be a great way to do it because a lot of uh, a lot of experts are great at talking but not necessarily so good at writing. Yes, hmm. exactly. Okay, well, look, that I mean, it's it's it sounds fantastic. I, I love the way you're doing it, and and the you know the notion that you're sort of attracting um, experts yourself, who as you say are coming along with their own sort of products and so on as well. It can work, but what do you? Do you think that um or what's your general sort of view of uh, making money from podcasts? I mean if this again I'm thinking of the person that's out there think hearing so much about podcasts and you know it's uh, it's one of it's certainly an area that we do hear a lot more about. What do you think the reality is for somebody like an independent person to make money from a podcast? how do you sort of view that currently
0: i would uh, <laughs> I would probably just Get into podcasting if you're passionate about sharing a message. Don't get into podcasting to make money, because I yeah. I think that there is a very small minority of uh, creators who do make decent money from their shows, but the vast majority of uh, of creators don't. And mm. I don't. I just don't think that that's the. That if that's your your biggest motivator, it's I don't necessarily think that. No, exactly, because there is a lot of work involved, and you need to be consistent. Uh, you know, in 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 publishing, if you're mm. going to publish every week, then publish every single week at the exact same time because otherwise people fall off really quickly. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think if you're only motivated by making money, then that that becomes a real drudge very quickly.
1: Well, absolutely. Oh, good look. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's it's so interesting. I think you know, I've been, like you, I've been listening to podcasts, and interestingly, I'm mine tends to be money, uh, com, business and comedy, much like like yours. <laughs> so I don't know what that says about it. <laughs> But um, it's interesting when um, I've seen a few sort of fairly small independent podcasts that have suddenly kind of almost, by the looks of it, sort of tripped across some kind of revenue, and sometimes it's changed the shows so mm. much and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. But um, interesting one to keep an eye on. But um, look, so uh, you're you're still writing your po how, how often during the week are you recording a podcast?
0: Uh, so we publish the Slow Home podcast twice a week. And then Kelly and I publish Let It Be once a week. So I'm, put, I'm on three shows a week. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we've, So we've got seven, um, seven, eight shows coming up that I do the production on all but two of those
1: as well. Mm. So. And um, my last question that I must just ask you, so you're working with your partner, you have two young children um, and you're co-hosting a show with him. <laughs> now, occasionally, just occasionally – Aren't you just a little bit scratchy with each other? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how does that come out? Do you still, wait, a... do you still hit record or do you think mm, maybe we should do this one later?
0: There's been a couple of episodes that have uh, been recorded quite late at night because we'd sit <laughs> down and we'd just be looking daggers at each other, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> there was one episode um, in April this year. We travelled to Canada um, right. and I published an episode. I, I scheduled an episode. The night before we flew out and it, it basically uh, published while we were in the air. And we arrived in Canada and I, I checked my email and it was mm. full of notifications from people saying, I think that you guys uh, published an unedited episode and someone wrote in and said, it Sounded like you were going to have a massive argument. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but as yet, you've not had a had a domestic on air.
0: Not on air, no. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well well you know maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a um, a new topic for you but uh maybe not anyway look Brooke it's been terrific speaking with you now where's the where's the best place for people to go to find out more about what you're up to and and have a good look at your network
0: um, jackrabbit.fm is the best place to find out about the network and then I'm at slowyourhome.com as well.
1: Excellent. And are you looking for people with new ideas?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, look, um, Brooke McAllery, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and um, keep doing what you're doing. And um, it's been great to have you speaking with the Seller community. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Robert. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.